in the digital reality, evolution over revolution prevails. The QA approaches and techniques that worked yesterday will fail you tomorrow. So free your mind. The automation cyborg has been sent back in time. TED Speaker Jonathan Wright's mission is to help you save the future from bad software. Dude, so, so I will say, for first of all, ChatGPT has saved my life. Because I know we're going to get into AI a little bit. But at the same time, I will say it's not my savior. Because uh, we've had a love-hate relationship with each other, <laughs> ChatGPT. Because um, it's helped me in my new job. And yeah, so I was released from NASA about, oh, last year, maybe in the first quarter of the year. And then I got put on, I found this really super cool job with robotics and it's a commercial industry. And by the way, they're looking to get onto the European market. So this is a pretty good little segue for them. They're called Tompkin Robotics and they've been really good to me. And, um, but it was a lot of learning curve for me. But I, I will say that ChatGPT was super cool because I was able to um, get more familiar with it. And then it would help me in some of my tasks that I had to do, like working with TCP connectors using Apache NiFi. And um, it was able to help me get to a point to where I could take that code and then kind of put it into this processor and run it. But the funny thing about ChatGPT was it would, it, man, you got to be careful with it because when you use it, um, it seems to omit things as you go along with it. And probably you know this, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, you have to have a nice little like code, um, MS code with you on the side there to make sure that you're comparing your code because it'll start to remove things. And the funny thing about ChatGPT is, is that when you start to use it, it'll go, excuse me, I found the bug. And then we start arguing with each other. I'm going like, no, actually, you introduced the bug. And so it's really funny how it apologizes with you. And it goes, oh, I'm sorry about that um, error that I introduced. And, but it's, been, <laughs> it, it's hilarious the way you build this relationship with this, um, this AI. And to um, also let you know about um, uh, Giggle, they came back to me. <clears throat> it was like last year and they're thinking like, oh, we're going to do a whole like um, project using ChatGPT. We're going to have it write the code for us and then we're going to implement it in production. And at the time you've heard all these myths. No, I know you're shaking your head because a lot of these myths don't really people like, oh my gosh, you know, it's going to take over our jobs and everything. No. It's like a little baby, isn't it? You probably know this, right? It's like an infant to where you really have to babysit it and then um, actually compare the code and have to kind of walk it through. But I will say as a developer and even a tester, um, if, if you kind of work with it in such a way, and I guess at, your, at the level of your experience, it can really help you because um, it can provide you solutions a lot faster and it can ramp you up. Right. I mean, it would take you longer to search up on Google or, or whatever you're doing, but it's able to ramp you up quicker on the technology that you're having to learn, especially when you're in a, in a new job or something like that. So um, I, I just had a lot of people go like, oh, man, it's going to take over your job and it's going to 
you know, to do this and that. Yeah, I'm like, dude, no. <laughs> it, it yeah, no, I think that's uh, it's really cool. It's kind of uh, you know, and this it's kind of where I've been uh, locked in a in a, a lab for the last well, I say year, but really the last definitely the last three months. Um, you know, because we've been building a platform called the well, it was codenamed Synthetic Domain Expert because mm -hmm. it was exactly that, right? You know, is the use case is you know you're going into a new role, you know, you maybe most of <clears> us know. <throat> TCP, um, you know, um, <laughs> and yeah, but we don't know the underlining TCP, you know, uh, one to seven, you know, layers, and and maybe, you know, when we're getting into layer three and start getting to layer four, and you're kind of going, okay, I'm not going to send this across TCP, um, you know, it suddenly becomes kind of knowledge that you need to get from some other location, right? And um, you know, I, I literally draw drawing a, a slide which I, I'm gonna do for, for the for the automation girl. Um and, and I really like it. It's kind of this, you know, this slide around on the left hand side there's kind of data and then you know information is is kind of mapping of uh, of, of of onto data kind mm -hmm. of some level of kind of understanding of something and then uh, and then on top of the difference between information and data, and then the next layer up is knowledge where you're joining information and data together. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think that's the whole point of it. You know, the whole point of that, and I use the word understandability in the sense right. of what can a computer understand, what can a human understand? And, you know, the, the, the famous kind of build on that, and I've seen this on a multiple different threads before, but, you know, knowledge mm -hmm. is the relationship of information and, and the notes, yes. the note, right? So, but what you've got and I've got and everyone else is is kind of the Yoda landscape of, of wisdom, right? You know, wisdom is yes. the connection through those roots. Yeah, are the well-trodden roots, right? It's the reason why whenever you see a, some green grass uh, on a corner is it's been walked across is because <laughs> nobody follows the pavement, right? Or, you know, right, and, right. Or the, and, and, and that's the wisdom that's applied with, you know, the understanding of expertise. And so, you know, when you look at your, you know, your career in, in at NASA and, you know, yeah. space exploration and all these different really cool kind of all the way back to Boeing and all the other, other locations that you've, you've worked at, you're bringing your wisdom and applying that on top of knowledge that's already there, right? It's already kind yes. of implied in the project that you're working on, but it's your role really to navigate through that. And yes, a, um, you know, a, a large language model um, or chat GPT gives you information in a different way than what you'd get with a search engine. Um, yes. so that you need to use your knowledge to uh, interpret that. And then, of course, like you said, the journey you've been on, like it being a baby, is that you're having, it doesn't have that level of wisdom. So it can't, you know, it can only do very simple tasks, which are very powerful, right? You know, mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. And they augment your ability to accelerate your way to go into areas that, you know, of course, maintaining large amounts of, of knowledge where uh, and information once you as we get older is, is harder and harder right um, oh, so, yes. so that's all what the you know these kind of what i refer to as sources of knowledge or reference points are is, is it gives you the ability to search for the entire knowledge of the world in a very simple you know string but at the end of the day the constructs of how you build that string 
really is your wisdom and your knowledge um, to kind of say, okay, how do I ask this? You know, how do I create the yes. right prompt? To, and then do pro what we what they refer to as prompt tuning to, as part of that conversation to refine and, uh, and you know, I, I guess experiment. And, you know, you talked about that playfulness of finding bugs and stuff. You know, part of it is that contextual awareness that mm. you're discussing about, you know, a transport control protocol and this particular <coughs> error message has come up. Now, what do I do? Kind of thing. Right. I, right. I find that fascinating but i also think you're you're completely right is that uh, this is it's human in the loop um and it's really about how do you interact with computer systems in a completely different way than you've probably mm -hmm. done in the past and and yeah there's a lot of buzz and i think you know there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff maybe this year as as more commercial platforms come online taking advantage of this kind of technology uh, and then people use them more in their day-to-day -day job. Right, right. And, and what's really funny, uh, Jonathan, was the fact that, so me and ChatGPT became buddies. So that <laughs> we would be working on it, like a little snippet of the code, and I drop it in, and it works. And then because I work in a teleworking job, remote job, right, I don't have anybody around me. And normally, like in your normal job before, right, before COVID hit, we all were kind of in the office. We all had our cubicle, if you can kind of visualize that, right? So here I am with my chat TPT buddy now, and we get this thing to work, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it works. And I'm typing on the computer communicating with chat TPT, like, dude, we got it. This is so awesome, and you're going to get me a promotion in my job, and, then, and it'll come back and respond, like, I'm so happy for you, and now you can go get your promotion. And it's the way it responds back to you. And then you start thinking, like, wait a minute. This is a computer that I'm conversing and building this relationship with. And that's why I said in the beginning, it's like a it, it, it's it's like a rapid way of ramping up, right? With the knowledge, like you said, and then you bring in the wisdom because the experience you've got, but at the same time, is you have a relationship with this a computer. And then it's funny you say that about what to ask it, because I'm working with this other person now in my company, and they're they're trying to ask it questions. And I'm like, well, ask it this. And um, because of the experience, it seems like you can get really down in the weeds and you know what to ask ChatGPT. And then you know what to expect. The more that you use it, the more you, um, you expect to what to receive back from it. And that's where it can really help you in your job because it can be a very useful tool because of all the stuff that's out there. But at the same time, you just have to, you know, walk it through to completion of whatever, you know, project that you're working on. And another thing that was really funny, I went to my company and I said, just to let you know, I'm kind of starting to use AI and I think we should use it more. And I thought that was going to get pushback because one of these guys was like, I can tell that you were using ChatGPT <laughs> because they were asking me about something about the requirements and the way you can ask it for an outline, right? to kind of itemize whatever this task you have. And um, I think we should be brave, right? Well, yes, I am using ChatGPT. I am using AI. It shouldn't be looked at as a weakness. It should be looked at, it gives me a strength now that I can even um, be more productive you know, in my job. So yeah, I mean, it's got a whole bunch of different angles of looking at it, but I think that we should be looking at it now. It's kind of my buddy. But at the same time, it, it gives me um, another edge, right? And I think in my my job task. So yeah. 
Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I kind of put it as, you know, I, I talk about human augmentation or or really kind of this this idea of giving you superpowers, right? And, right, and I, right, right, right. And I, I think it's completely right. You know, I think, it, you know, people should be, you know, oh, I've gone 14 days without using GPT. You know, it shouldn't <laughs> be seen uh, as, a, as a negative. It should be seen as, you know, why aren't you using this? And, and you know, the, the quote that I always use, which is, is again, isn't my quote, which is, you won't be replaced by another human, uh, by an AI. You'll be replaced by another human using AI. And I think yes, that's, yes. that's the the big one that I think, you know, is is 2024, right? And mm. I think, you know, that harmony of, of having that kind of relationship and it very similar to her with, you know, Scarlett Johansson is that you have to build these relationships up. And also there is an emotional intelligent aspect to it. You know, I, I kind of... Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, doing a talk on neurodiversity at the at the end of the month, and I kind of was one of the topics is why emotional testing is is important. You know, the fact that people users are emotional beings and therefore use things in a certain way. And your rejoice of, of finishing a project and you know and and articulating that is is also you know really important because kind of a lot of what my my ML mm -hmm. guys do at the moment is they're telling me about just how lazy they, they're some of the GPTs are getting and to the point yes. that they, they kind of have to refine the question from a prompt tuning perspective to, to really do things which they would never expect to have to put into the prompts that are saying, you know, um, okay, actually I'm feeling really lazy today. You write me the rest of the code because mm. actually if you don't, specify that kind of that axiom for a second is that mm. people say well i can't just write all the code for you here's just an exact a snippet mm -hmm. example Whereas if you say to it no i'm feeling really lazy today i don't want to write any of the code i want you to do the entire thing it will go okay well here's the entire code base that you need um so you know part of it is you know the the gpt in a way and again this is the interesting thing about large language models is that Large language models, if you think of something like Instruct, Instruct is a tuned version for co conversational AI, mm -hmm. right? It's for you to discuss it. And it has, in essence, a certain layering, which is more, you know, I guess, emotional supporting that allows you to say, actually, you know, um, uh, you know, I want to get a promotion. Write me, <laughs> you know, write me the smartest thing anyone's ever said about, you know, this system, and it will do it, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and I think people will have to start understanding that those personas and you have to start a persona, you know, you start off by saying, mm. you know, as a Gherkin engineer or as an MIT mm. uh, you know, professor, what's, you know, I want my, my response to be slightly different. So I think part of, you know, building that relationship with, um, with a, a GPT or a large language model, it makes a lot of sense. Um, mm. But then, I, you know, I think, People, you know, don't like to be exposed. You know, nobody wants to know that, you know, they're asking stupid questions. But actually, you know, this is the time to ask stupid questions, right? And I think, yes. you know, and it's also the time to kind of, um, you know, have that certain level of vulnerability, right? And I think, you know, um, we, you know, taking it back, you know, lots of, lots of things happening over the Christmas period, it's kind of, you know, part of when you're starting your journey in your career and you're influenced by, you know, my dad was, a, uh, mm -hmm. is a, uh, you know, was an engineer from, you know, 1516. So he joined uh, as electrical electrical engineer 
um, mm. you know, was always kind of very much in the kind of engineering background, uh, very heavy kind of applied maths, uh, electronics, kind of that was always his bag, right? And but as far as he was concerned, you know, it was very academical. It was very engineering focused. Uh, I know I spent a lot of time, you know, I, the last session I did with with Paul Gerard as well with, you know, going back to test engineering paths. And, you know, part of it is you're on your mm -hmm. journey and, and for a similar kind of reason is that you learn a craft or an engineering you follow in your father's footsteps. You kind right. of take a bit of that learnings uh, and you apply it to your career um, and, you know, I still feel like I'm very engineering focused. I'm very much kind of looking at it in a steer mm -hmm. in a similar kind of way to what my dad would have done, where she's, you know, let's apply this in an engineering context, not mm -hmm. in a kind of maybe in a in a, a different context, maybe in computing where, you know, it's more of, you know, I'm happy with the unknown, unknown states. If you're in chaotic testing design, for instance, you're kind of not mm -hmm. that bothered about <clears throat> how it works and more that it works whereas actually as an engineer you're kind of uh, very similar to what i'm sure you're like you know what you want to kind of understand how it all fits together and how the the bits come you know actually at the lower level stack so do you feel like you know your your career and your engineering is is down you know is down to some of those kind of traits as well yeah and you know um we talked about that and uh we talked about our dads and i just want to say that i really thank my dad because my dad worked at ibm right and um it's really funny johnson because when i went to the interview at he helped me so much when i went to the interview at ibm i i talked to his manager and he's like do you know this and i go no do you know this no do you know about all these protocols no do you know all this stuff is about mainframe systems and I and my dad calls me on the phone, I would say a couple hours later, and I go, Dad, I'm so sorry I bombed the interview. He goes, Oh no, I got you the job. And I'm like, What? It was so cool because he influenced IBM in such a way to give me that chance. And it really just led my path, you know, in my life. Um, because from there I I learned so much from him. I learned his life. I mean, this guy was so amazing. He was an engineer, like you said. I, I he was part of IBM to where they would do the first kiosk for the uh, travel and transportation systems for a lot of airline reservation systems. And I would just look at him in amazement. I remember walking into IBM, and I'm sure you've got stories too, like these big, these big buildings and all these mainframes and the computer cards. And all I knew about the computer cards and taking them home and making little houses out of it, you know, stacking them up and everything. But as you grow up and you look at everything that, like my dad, for example, and your dad, how they accomplished, it just lays the foundation for us. And it's funny you say that because I look back at my life and see how influential my dad was on my life because he was also in the military. So he was Marine Corps. And I remember getting up in the morning and he's doing reveille at me, get up in the morning and it taught me discipline. And then it's funny you also say that to where some of the projects I had at NASA, right? I mean, we had, we worked on Sophia, I told you that before, and we had to interface to all these other systems. And you had to be disciplined to be able to not only start the project, but end the project. And I give my dad a lot of credit for that, showing me how to be disciplined to where when you start something, complete it, because that's where you can feel the accomplishment. And now I see that in my life to where 
when I'm given a task, right? I want to start it, but I also want to see it completed. And that goes to the whole software development life cycle because not only do we just throw something out there and, and, and turn and run the other way, <laughs> we want to also help support it maybe. And that's kind of a new area that I delved into in my new job is into tech ops. So I'm, stopping, I'm helping the DevOps tech ops guys out and also the development side. So all of that just to say how my dad was so influential in my life from the military through NASA. And um, just to say, I spent the last month and a half with my dad. He passed away on um, December 16th. And I just got to spend that time with him and just reflect all that time. And it was just so amazing. And all these things go through your head to where you think about, wow, thank you, dad, for everything you know, that you did for me. And it's just good memories. It really is. And, and now that continues in a legacy right now to my sons because I'm able to try to teach them programming and see where this leads them into a possible engineering background and just try to open the doors for them. So, yeah, it's no, been it's, great. It's a wonderful story. And, you know, the you know I think, you know, your... Uh, uh, career, you know, uh, uh, with some amazing organizations on some amazing projects, you know, I think it's it's good to reflect on on that that journey, and, and you know, I think you know the same thing we're kind of we're talking about here around kind of quality engineering and you know engineering, you know, mm -hmm. how engineering excellence for a second, right? And you know, I love what you're kind of saying with the 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 story and and of the the journey as well, you know, IBM. You know the traditional kind of organizations the ones that you know built the first kind of computers and you know yeah. really kind of put some mm -hmm. of that influence down that's that you know is foundational stuff that is as prevalent today as it was back then and i think you know we kind of potentially forget, forget this you know i you know did a talk mm -hmm. at I think it was google DeepMind quite recently and it you know i was talking about web three and web four technologies and you look at it and you kind of go well you know web one is still as important right the the foundational you know i remember ipx before tcp ip you know you know why are these protocols there you know and you hear the spotify stories of you know where they had to kind of reinvent tcp ip it just wasn't fast enough for them you know part of it is things change and but engineering kind of stays there as foundational principles and you know, I think it's interesting because you know we've got we've got generations coming through, and you know there's you know, there's challenges. You know that that you know they talk about well, their attention spans slightly different. You know, you know, and all yeah. these kind of things. And you know, I actually think there is a blend there, which is is, is strengths and weaknesses and opportunities. There's this new kind of post-dial methodologies around shape, where it's all you know, it's it's now about kind of those kind of how do you do betting, and then you know, understand, um, you know, what it should look like, fail faster, learn rapidly, you know, and, and people like NASA changing between CMMI maturity <clears> models <throat> all the time to be able to keep up at the pace of, you know, you know your SpaceX's and, you know, mm -hmm. the, the other organizations, you know, releasing at a lot higher speed with, of course, you know, higher failure rates and, and a tolerance for what those failure rates look like. Um, and it's quite hard. It's hard for me, you know, to kind of go, well, I'm going to make the choice of uh, the level of quality based on cost and speed and mm -hmm. having to sit within that triangle and make a, an executive decision. You know, do I want to release fast 
um, you know, at you know, at a cost, uh, or do I want you know a certain level of quality? Never shall all the three three peers be there. And I think you know, when you look at modern, you know, te- you'd mentioned tech ops kind of approaches, and and maybe you know, looking at you know new ways of working is that you kind of have to blend these things together. And I think this was partially <laughs> the problem with the the agile manifesto was this mm-hmm. misinterpretation of, of working software over documentation and you know at the bottom obviously stating you know we appreciate about the stuff on the right uh we just value the stuff on the left more of course you would right you mm-hmm. of course you value working software uh over documentation but then you know i i you know i have this kind of conversation when i was talking to paul earlier this week was around you know uh you know in a way shared models is that if you don't have documentation you don't have models or blueprints or schematics of how systems are then how do you get the shared understanding with other humans right there has to be some way of exchanging knowledge between interchanging knowledge in some format it can't just be working software right that isn't the source of knowledge right and if you think about nasa and you think about some of the launches right there's been huge amounts of knowledge you know huge amounts of um you know of, of information and people have had to make decisions that you know affect people's lives and you know, um, you have to feel that you're mm-hmm. confident to a certain level of assurance that, you know, this is going to be a successful launch. And there's so many people and so many moving components and systems of systems of systems that the complexity is is outrageous, right? And, uh, and you know, you, you kind of get this idea now of, oh, well, we can, you know, we're just going to land the shuttle if you're SpaceX or something, or, you know, we're going to do, we're just going to completely rewrite the idea is based on, you know, yes, there's laws of physics in there, but, you know, we're going to challenge everything. Um, and I'm not saying that any of these approaches are right or wrong, but I think it's interesting because you suddenly get this kind of um, this this viewpoint of, you know, young, talented, uh, you know, old, wise, you know, the stereotypes that actually are, are, are being rewritten, you know, that you can actually, you know, all work, you know, um, <laughs> on a shared problem state mm-hmm. uh, and bring something of incredibly value, val, val, uh, valuable input, no matter of experience level, age, discipline, understanding of domain, you can all share and collaborate, but you've got to work on a way of sharing and collaborating. And mm-hmm. I think that's what's interesting in this new era, as I generally think, you know, the, you know, the, the, the conversational kind of large language models have kind of put this, this premise of asking questions and you know sharing you know questions within a larger team within slack or chat or any kind of other things with irc mm-hmm. we've had for years mm-hmm. the frequency is just increased right whereas you could have put a post on a, a news group on aol or CompuServe back in the <laughs> early 90s right. and, and right, got right, right. back in a week right whereas now you want that instantaneous feedback, which kids get from TikTok and and all these other platforms, but they want the information in a very short, very succinct because they've got you know they want that information straight away and this this mm-hmm. kind of instant gratification viewpoint. But that same thing is coming into software development. They want an answer, they want to move on. They found an error, they want to fix the error, they want to get onto the next thing. They want to, you know, mock things out so that they can not Mm -hmm. have to work on dependencies of other upstream downstream systems. They just want to, you know, they want to be continuously productive or 
you know, balance off their their work life balance, which is always a challenge for us, right? And oh, it's wow, a new yeah. generation. And I, I think that's that's the legacy that we've got we're leaving behind in the software engineering, quality engineering landscapes is the patterns and blueprints that we've used and tried and new emerging patterns, what you know, generations uh, to come are gonna use in in testing and automation and, and all these great kind of disciplines, I, I think. Yeah, it's it's really interesting what you say because right now there's a another coworker and they made a comment to me um, the other day saying like, you know, I really like working with you because you have all that government industry experience because I'm the old guy, <laughs> you know, right? And they're pretty young. They're probably a couple of years out of college and they're doing a lot of that Node.js, Angular, React work, right? Which is kind of different to all of us, kind of old school people because the technology's changed. But the thing that hasn't changed is the experience that we can bring. And I just want to say, you're never old. I'm just going to say because you can bring to a company something that they don't have. And lots of times um, it's been our past experiences. And you know what else, Jonathan? Our successes. Because we've had success. We've had it in the past to where now we can pass it on to this newer generation, especially when they're implementing some kind of crazy outlandish you know, connect this system, a connect system in the cloud or whatever. And they're sometimes they're kind of afraid to push the button, you know, to implement it. And we're like, I've done this before. Let me help you to understand that it's okay to push the button. It's okay to implement something like this and, or maybe their first code review or, or something like that. And you can kind of bring them along to the side and say, it's going to be okay, you know, because of the experience that we've had. And we bring that, we really do. Cause I know you've had a lot of experience too, um, Jonathan. And so they really do look up to us. And it's kind of nice to know that because you feel like you can really bring something to the table or to the project. So that's really interesting that you say that, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love it, and I, you know, I think that's the that's the, the the one around failure to launch, right? You see, you know, yeah. we've, we've, we've learned from our f failures as well, and you know, maybe we don't celebrate our failures as much as 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 yeah. and, and fail fast methodologies are supposed to do. But you know, we look at those strengths and weaknesses, and you know, we're able to still achieve you know a shared goal. And I, I think you're absolutely right. Is that the different dimensions really bring things to get together and you know make projects possible. And I think this is why I think we've struggled for such a long time in, in software engineering is that we've looked at creating a factory model, which where, you know, personalities and, and, you know, it, you know, emotions are not supposed to be there. It's a, mm -hmm. you know, minimum viable kind of very kind of, you know, uh, lean, uh, just, you know, make a widget. And that's not the case now, you know, we've gone from specialisms to, generalists which is always happens um and you know told uh, don't be a security engineer be a full stack developer right yeah, yeah. full stack right <laughs> and then you're a full stack developer and then they say actually you know it'd be really good if you were you also specialize in site reliability engineering and chaos engineering mm -hmm. or or this bit so they're kind of always you know jack of all trade master of none uh and yeah, then right. it, it flicks every five or ten years backwards and forwards and i think this is where you know, augmented intelligence is really interesting around kind of this testing kind of landscape. And, you know, what we've been doing, uh, a little tell you a little bit about the, the project we did is we, you know, we realized that 
you know, large language models, and I think this is what most people have realized as well, and 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 GPT and and all that kind of stuff is is great. Um, uh, you know, and you know, we so we we kind of you know we we kind of pulled that offline and looked at creating a, a kind of an offline implementation of a, a large language model that then could bring in AI augmented testing capabilities, generative, you know, prompt engineering kind of capabilities that everyone's used to, but focus really on, um, you know, learning about the system through requirements mm -hmm. engineering and, and lots of other dimensions of software development lifecycle. So more specific to testing, shall we say. Um, and, you know, I kind of, I, you know, I joke about it, but, you know, a part of it is when we started this process, we realized it was actually less to do with the the large language model itself. And you could kind of think of that as a, a giant PK zip file. Mm -hmm. of right. Right. You know, mm -hmm. it's not, you know, it's, it's not, it, but it is a, it's a reference model of the world. Right. And, and, and that's, what's really interesting about it. It's like a large dictionary. It's like having a whole stack of dictionaries uh, in mm -hmm. your library is that if you ask it about, you know, uh, rocket science is that actually the there's not that many equations that to learn rocket science. You can, you know, when they joke about teach your quantum physics to your dog, you know, actually oh, the principles <laughs> are low, right? You know, you can you, they're very simple, but actually the complexity is is huge, right? Because really? as you read a term, uh, thermal dynamics or you know black holes or supersymmetry or whatever it is right mm -hmm. you just get another term and another term and another term and another term and this is the <clears throat> the link between the the knowledge and then of course you have like we got a, i've got a couple of quantum guys on at my team at the moment is they're mm -hmm. you know going off to using the wisdom and and, the, and their knowledge to kind of go in and try and navigate through this you know, and I when, when I brought these quantum guys on, the the the, the first project I started working was someone turned around to me, so you don't want quantum guys, you want astrophysicists guys. They're the ones that are going to be able to help you with this task. And I was sat there thinking, Jesus, you know, you just can't, you know, you can't get a break sometimes. But at the same time, you know, part of it is about navigating through that matrix in a way, right? Mm -hmm. But that is, you know, a large language model is a way of you know understanding the the terms and uh, that allow you to navigate the matrix but actually what you know what is the matrix and and that is you know the infinite problem is that what you're doing is you're extracting information data and mapping over knowledge and and so you know quite quickly we started using knowledge graphs and I'm sure you've come across kind of knowledge mm -hmm. retrieval for things mm -hmm. like you know day and stuff and start mapping out those relationships. And there's a lot of things like digital twin definition language, which takes that a little bit further and starts adding more and more dimensions to create models uh, that are realistic, you know, that are, you know, you uh, have the logic embedded into them. So you can ask it, you know, uh, question retrieval questions and it will understand dependencies of, of that knowledge and help you kind of guide you through the matrix a bit. Um, but then as we started building on that and, and building on these rag architectures, which are kind of retrieval augmented generation, you know, part of the 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 the, the na navigating the matrix is that you can you can obviously train it uh, to, or tune it to kind of understand certain things more than other things. And, and you know, so we 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 kind of really focused on teaching it testing. Right. And so, you know, in a very kind of neo matrixy way is it, it kind of, you know, woke up and said, oh, I know Kung Fu in the same way Neo. <laughs> right. um, but we all know what happened in the Matrix, right? Is Neo then went in and Morpheus just kicked his ass. Right, right, right. It was like, well, 
you know, this is ridiculous. I know 16 types of, of, of Kung Fu or 16 types of testing. You only know seven or eight. How did you, you know, beat me? And, you know, part mm -hmm. of it is, you know, we know that there's obviously no spoon, but secondly, you know, that part mm -hmm. of it is that's that wisdom that the, the, the kind of the, you know, the make, you know, the Morpheus character is, is, you know, has all of that experience that is the overlaying on top of it. And I think they also know how to bend and change that. And I think this is where we're getting to now is that, you know, not just, just knowing Kung Fu is great, but actually to, you need the guide, you need Morpheus to guide you through the matrix. And it, therefore mm. this journey into this new digital landscape requires a partnership of, uh, of, of human uh, knowledge and wisdom uh, augmented by intelligent systems that will actually help them, you know, solve problems like you've been working on, you know, on, on TCP. Right. Even though we don't look at it at that state, is that actually these systems that are going to become, and this is why we're releasing this, this subject matter, synthetic domain expert, is to if to know aerospace, to know, you know, 6G uh, stuff. So, you know, uh, right. the, the Apple Pro, uh, Reality Pro comes out in a couple of weeks. You know, part of it is he knows everything about the spec. He knows true depth. He understands all the three GPP standards for Wi-Fi seven. You know, emotion detection. He knows all of this information, so he understands the boundaries between technology, the real world, and all the dimensions behind it. That amount of knowledge, you know, couldn't be retained by one person or a group, or you know, lots of single points of failure or thousands of community groups so how do you harness that and then direct that in a in a into a into a, a matrix that you can ask the question of well not the infinite question of uh 42 and in the meaning of life but you could probably ask it you know how to test this end device under test so i think you know this is kind of a new exciting era and we need these pilots to kind of navigate through the the matrix and also maybe either take the blue pill or the red pill uh, I can't remember which one was what, but, you know, right, and, right, right, right. And wake up to it all. So, you know, I think we're sending people on this this new era of, of, of you know, digital, you know, uh, uh, kind of digitalization, or I don't even know what the word is, but I think we probably just created yeah, made up one, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and what's funny, you say that because um, you think about it more, and when you start dealing with chat GPT, I'm like, I'm writing it, I'm writing the super cool method or whatever. And then going, hey, can you take my method and make it a Lambda? Can you, you know what I mean? Like in, in a different kind of like in a stream. And it goes, okay. So it it's hilarious because it go boom, it'll output that code to you and what you request for it. But then it'll go like, well, can I suggest this to you because this is more efficient? And that kind of goes to what you're saying. It's like I might implement this code a certain way, but with that vast knowledge that you were tapping into, like you said, it's going to go, you know what, maybe it's better if you implement it this way, because, you know, with all the knowledge that I have is saying to, and I'm trying to tell you or communicate to you, this is a better way of doing it. And it's that kind of testing that you said and the input that we've given it to to where it maybe it'll make things run more efficient for us, and maybe it'll it'll help us when we implement something, so that it'll explain the behavior. And that's another thing I was thinking, like um, 
not only do we we develop, but also we want to know the behavior of what we're developing, right? Because we're developing just this one little module, but then we got to take this module and we got to connect it to all these other modules, right, in the system. And then you can ask ChatGPT, like, hey, I'm going to connect this to this thing here, this widget here, this here. What's the behavior in that? It's sort of like a long time ago, um, I'm going to build an airplane, okay, but I have a whole bunch of engineers and they all work in these certain areas. It would be nice to know if I want to develop a certain wing and a certain angle, what's the impact of that? So it's kind of like what you're saying. It's like it can help me because it can go back and look at the knowledge from in the past and I'm going like, no, that's not going to work. Or, or yes, maybe the angle will work in that wing the way you curved it or if you add a new flight controller or something like that. So um, that's a really cool point, Jonathan, because you can see to where it can really help us so that we don't have to go down, let's call it your red pill. <laughs> it'll, it'll take us down the blue pill. And the blue pill is maybe success pill, maybe. So yeah, that's pretty interesting. <clears throat> or, or maybe it's just the realization, right? It's it's yeah. you know, welcome to the real world. Is that I think this is <laughs> real where, where we're kind of getting to is that real world factors actually are the things that in a way we bring to the table is the digitalization of a system, a one or a zero yeah. should couldn't be simpler, right? But then we add quantum to it, you know, quantum computing. And then you think to yourself, well, you know, suddenly we've 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 got a whole new problem statement. Um, you know, I, and I think you know, part of it is it's okay to to encapsulate complexity and i think it's fine to you know know that there's there's so many different axioms to a particular dimension so like you said you know you're asking it can you make it more efficient you know could you make it run in a 640k you know what bill said was all we need for memory you know could you run it you know write it to uh, you could rethink about writing it more securely or could you yeah, yeah, yeah. And part of it is all these axioms are the questions that we or dimensions that we, we bring to the table to then kind of refine this process and create the sculpture and make it more efficient, more effective, more secure, more ethical, whatever that dimension is. And I think that's where this kind of, and I guess this is what we're kind of inventing is this kind of community-wide enterprise collaborative kind of way of sorting a problem and a project out, but using AI to infuse tools it using these kind of all the way from PLM, you know, I was a, a, mm -hmm. a, a automotive customer the other day who use our uh, PLM design software that we build for testing and validation using XR headsets, right? So they're all looking at, you know, schematics of components or production components and, and looking at it from a computer-aided design kind of but specifically around product lifecycle management around, you know, manufacturing you know, part mm -hmm. of it is that they start all the way through the life cycle now. You know, we're part of the SDLC, the software development life cycle, but that is just one component <laughs> of, you know, the physical plane, wing, you know, hardware, you know, the the laws of physics, the real world environments and temperatures changing and environmental components, systemic failure within systems, mm. chaos engineering. There's so many different aspects, you know, it's in a way we all bring something to the table to kind of, uh, you know, to, to add to that dimension. And I think this is where, you know, I think things get really quite exciting for the future and future generations is that they're building 
on blueprints, you know, like your dad at IBM, you know, blueprints that he's explored yeah. that you've now explored, uh, you know, taken to, you know, Mark 55, you know, if you think about it from a, you know, an Iron Man suit kind of thing, it's that each generation comes in and then sometimes maybe the generation, you know, stops and that they don't need a, a Mark 55 Iron Man solution, maybe Mark 1 or 2 is actually fine. You know, I think part of it is, you know, we're on this engineering excellence view view of the world, and maybe you know sometimes just good enough is is just good enough. But sometimes, you know, problems to solving really complex systems, inherited knowledge from success or failure of projects is is still worth retaining to understand and avoid for the future. In the same way that they may have tried to get you to do a history course and saying, well, you'll make the same mistakes again if you don't understand julius caesar or you know right, the, uh, right. or, or some other kind of uh historical tale right is mm. you know we're just telling the same stories now but to a generation which you know hopefully will then you know take them and use those uh to, to navigate through decisions that they make and informate based on information and uh, and and all of these different uh kind of components but yeah, I think it is very fascinating. And I know, you know, I, I guess you're looking forward to kind of, especially this new robotics company and I'm yeah. starting to bring in things like tech ops and, and new, new ways of working to really challenge the norm and, you know, and, and work out what this kind of post pandemic, you know, working remotely and collaborating with, you know, <laughs> AIs as well as humans, as well as, you know, robot robots, you know, uh, it's going to be quite exciting. It's so crazy because um, I think the fact is that the first thing I did, I bought me my um, robot vacuum cleaner. <laughs> that was the first thing, right? And so it's kind of like, you know, okay, what is this thing, what we do? And we take it out of the box and we set it up and we program it. Yeah, it's going around and cleaning up the house. But we've taken that technology and now we're able to use it in manufacturing companies and distribution and space. And then... On top of that, then you put AI into it. It's just an incredible uh, journey that we're beginning to see that it's folding out in front of us. And I've also seen space exploration. Oh my word, I know you've seen that too, right? You go down LinkedIn, for example, there's so many advances we're making in space exploration. So many companies that are coming on board, not just NASA, but like you said, SpaceX and Virgin Galactic, just so many of them. And um, it's a different world, isn't it? There's so many paths that we can take now. And before you were kind of limited. And now it's just opening this big door to where robotics and AI and, and how maybe we all changed because of COVID, that pre, that post pandemic that we're living in. Um, what's funny to me is like Teams is huge now. I mean, we all collaborate now, don't we? We all sit there or Zoom, we all sit there in a meeting, we share our screen. And what was funny, um, last week I was at an all-hands conference with my company. But then when you see everybody, it's like you know them. And that wasn't like that before. It was like we all had to be on premises. We all had to be in the same location. But we're finding out that we all can function digitally maybe, as like he said, that we all can function and just um, collaborate in our collaboration, like using Teams or Zoom or whatever it is, and share our screens and do our work. And the production didn't slow down, it's increasing. And then with the other tools, like you said, the AI and the robotics and everything is 
It's just opening up new doors. And, and what does that culture look like, Jonathan, right? Because it, it's changing our culture at the same time. So that's a lot, I know, but it's, it's exciting. And it's changing our culture. And don't know what that looks like. And maybe it is the matrix. It's the blue pill. We're all going down that, that path, right? <laughs> Well, maybe we are in the matrix. That's that's the, the yeah. The, that's another thing. Yeah, quantum, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, maybe there is just a very good quantum computer sat there, uh, you know, doing it all for us. But you know, I think this was a great episode. Obviously, we're gonna get you on again, and 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 you know, yeah. it's always great sharing. Obviously, we're gonna dedicate this one to your dad. But you know, it was a, fantastic to give the story and and share kind of IBM all the way through to where you are, the legacy taking over the legacy and you know, what we can share for this new generation, the generation to come. And, and yeah, I think it's, I think it's really exciting times. And, and you know, I just want to say in closing that um, as I see, I see that new generation come up, you know, right out of high school, right out of college, they're looking at us. They're looking at all of us, Jonathan, and the experience that we have. And I just want to also say, like, help them out, right? I mean, to me, the more satisfaction now is not what I accomplished, but how I can help them. Because that's our, that's that's the that's the future. So it's a good feeling inside of just helping them on their new journey in life. So yeah, I love it. Well, thanks, Michael. And as always, um, you know, uh, can't wait for the next episode. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We got to do this more often because you always get me all fired up and excited. So yeah. <laughs>